What's up, everybody? This is Jerry Ferrara, and you are listening to the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah podcast. I want to sit down with Vince. He's in Mexico. Yeah, I heard he's hiding on the beach somewhere, huh? Think again, he's doing improvised readings with Corona and Del Toro till something pops. Plane, Z Plane. Welcome back, everybody, to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage Podcast. I am your host, J.R. Hitty, coming to you from my in-laws' house in Palm Desert, California. If you can't tell, got a new microphone table, voice is sounding good. I'm energized. We got a new season of Entourage laid out ahead of us. Super excited for this week's episode with the one and only Billy Breed. Had Billy Breed on for our season three finale, Adios Amigos. Just one of the funniest, best storytelling guests we've ever had on the podcast. He was our most requested guest. I just second to Jerry Ferrara. Had to have him back. Great episode. A lot of insight into the inner workings of Hollywood. He gave us a couple of inside baseball tidbits, which were really, really interesting that pertain to this episode. And it was a lot of fun. Looking forward to diving into it. Before we get started, I do want to thank... Those of you who have donated to the podcast, for those who haven't listened yet to the Season 4 VM's voice memo episode, I am out on my own now. Bro Bible and I ended our contract amicably in April, so your boy is doing this straight out of pocket. Any support that you can offer for the podcast, super welcome. There's a link in the show notes of today's episode to donate via Anchor, which is our hosting software. I just realized after I posted that link that there, it only gives you three options for monthly donations, a dollar, five dollars, and ten dollars. We're going to see how this goes and or if that is something that I can change. I wasn't aware of that when I uh, announced it, but as mentioned, every month during COVID-19 lockdown, 50% of all of your donations will go to good360.com. Good360.com is a company I've worked with in the past. Their mission is to donate goods to the common good. So that's essential items for frontline workers, people who are affected by this virus. 50% of your donation to the podcast will go to good360.com. I will be posting the receipts at the end of May. I want to give a shout out to a couple of those backers who have already donated. Kyle, Chad, and James. Big ups to you guys. Thank you so much for caring enough about a little Entourage podcast and those people out there who need a little bit of support. I promise you, your money is not going to waste. Okay, without further ado, let's dive in. Great episode. Went almost an hour with Billy. The mic cable situation was not fixed. This is probably not one of the best sounding episodes. I did all the work I could in post to make this sound good. Billy's the best. He was super patient. He was dialing in from his parents' place in Palm Beach, Florida. So he didn't have a super professional setup either, but we made the most of it. We had a ton of fun. Don't forget to leave those five-star reviews in iTunes. Those are super helpful for uh, chart placement. And don't forget to follow the social media accounts at OyaPod on Instagram and Twitter. Just last night, if you're listening to this on Monday, uh, Jerry Ferrara commented on the most recent Instagram post we put up, a little behind-the-scenes fact about Fantasy Island, the episode itself. So go check that out. Give the account a follow if you haven't. Enjoy the episode, and I will talk to you hopefully next Monday. Be safe out there, everybody. Okay, my guest this week for the season five premiere is back. From the East Coast, he's one of the comedic minds behind the popular comedy group 20-something Comedy. You guys already know this, but he acted alongside Mahershala Ali and Vito Mortensen in the Academy Award-winning film Green Book, and he starred in the upcoming Netflix animated series The Liberator, Dialing in from sunny Palm Beach, Florida, Billy Breed, welcome back to the Entourage Podcast. I'm glad to be back. Well, actually, it wasn't sunny today. It was a monsoon, but either way. You know, tropical storms. It's April. Well, it's almost, it's, it's May when you're listening to this, but we're recording this like last day of April. Yeah. Uh, well, stay, you, you know your audience. You need to understand the audience and they want, you know, the sunny just sounds better from sunny Florida instead of monsoon season. Definitely. How's uh, quarantine treating you? Uh, <laughs> it's okay. Um, I'm quarantined with my entire family, which only Yikes. makes me 
it only makes me more amazed that I was able to survive high school with all of them. Because <laughs> I am, I've been here like a month and I'm ready to kill somebody. Yeah, yeah. I'm in a similar situation. I'm with my in-laws. And that's even worse because you can't really say what you want to say. My wife has to do that battle. Oh, my, my sister's, yeah, my sister's husband's down here with us. He's been here for two months. I, every day I look at him, I'm like, dude, you are... <laughs> You are, you're something, you're a case. Like we should study you. You're a scientific case. How the hell are you doing this? He's a rock. I love it. He's a king. I usually start this off by asking how you started watching Entourage. We've already covered that. Kind of a pivot. I'm going to try it for a couple episodes during this whole COVID lockdown thing. But when I had Jerry Ferrara on, I asked him how he thought the Entourage would handle COVID slash quarantining. How do you think, Billy, in your own words, in your own, you know, We'll do a little improv here. What do you think Drama, Vinny, E, and Turtle are doing during during lockdown? Uh, well, they're all quarantined together and at, at, at probably Vinny's house. Drama's in a yep. – Drama's in uh, the bubble boy out suit. He's just in a human <laughs> bubble, not touching anything, covered in sanitizer, hand sanitizer, just like f- flipping out and making some outrageous rever- reference about how he played – you know, some, you know, chemotherapy surviving teen on uh, One Tree Hill for a three-episode yep. arc, and this is what it reminds him of. Like, something outrageous. Turtle is just... Turtle's plot for the... Turtle's storyline for the episode would be there's no... He can't get to his dealer. He needs to get to his yep. weed dealer. And he doesn't know how he's going to be able to get weed into quarantine. And that's his... Uh, Another, I'd say E probably sneaks out to go see Sloan and puts everyone's life in danger. Do you blame him though? Yeah, I don't blame him at all. She's an absolute laser show. But uh, the, the the plot line of the episode is he sneaks out and um, might bring COVID back. Johnny's losing it. And then, of course, Vinny probably, through his celebrity and money, gets a doctor to come to the house to give them tests and... What, what, what do you know? The doctor is an absolute 10 out of 10 rocket ship who then somehow gets laid in the midst of a quarantine. I mean, that's the episode. The COVID doctor's 23. Yeah. Yeah. Blonde, gorgeous. Doesn't. Like, I don't even know if they're fake. They're probably oh natural. Just an absolute beautiful girl who happened to go to Stanford to graduate, you know, valedictorian and summa cum laude. She's like, hey, Vince, I don't fall for the movie star. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Tosses it. her away after one episode. That's and the it. joke, the punchline at the end of the episode is probably E being like, I can't believe I risked us all getting COVID and I didn't even get laid because probably, you know, Sloan was on her period or something. And then somehow that gets Vince laid. There's a joke in there yeah. that would probably be the punchline. And then we we go right to credits. It ends on Turtle going, you're a star, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> it just cuts to, cuts to some awesome end credits on. Actually, you know, probably too, how they connect the two storylines is the chick gets there. She ends up sleeping with Vince, gives everyone a COVID shot. Turtle <laughs> says, I don't even care if I die of COVID. I don't have any weed. And she goes, you need weed. And what do you know? She's got medicinal weed in the truck that she's given the shots out of. And she gives them weed. That's it. I mean, I think we just wrote the season 10 Intro episode. We got to contact Doug Allen. Get him on the hook. Oh, that's, that's the it. opener. That that's there it is. That's the opener. Line up. Get your agent on the phone, man. What are we doing here? I I, I should I should be getting Doug Elon on the fucking horn. <laughs> well, that was fun. I'm looking forward to doing that every week with my guests this season until people can't stand it. Thank you again for agreeing to be back on the pod. We were talking about this offline, but you're one of our most requested guests. I had you on for the. Season three finale, Adios Amigos. We had a blast then. You told a hilarious Shia LaBeouf story, which uh, comes up again in this episode, oddly enough. But uh, yeah, man, it's good to talk to you about our, our, one of our favorite shows. How unreal is that? <laughs> oh, I thought that was amazing. <laughs> I thought I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't do it on purpose. I just I watched the episode and I went, oh shit, Shia LaBeouf gets brought up. So if you guys haven't. When they announced Shia again, I was like, get the fuck out of here. He's back. <laughs> Your boy. Okay. Season 5 premiere, Fantasy Island. Aired on Sunday, September 7th, 2008. 
On this date, it was week one of the 2008-2009 NFL season. You football fan, Billy? Diehard Giants fan. And a Rams fan. Got it. So, Brett Favre started his season, supported bat for the New York Jets, and threw for two touchdowns in a victory over the Miami Dolphins. That same day, Mr. Tom Brady left the first game of the season with a knee injury in the first quarter, and the Patriots confirmed that Brady would be out for the entire season. Oh, my God. Looking back on that, I remember that season. Like, the season Brady was gone. Everyone remembers that. And then they went 11-5 and with Matt Castle and missed the playoffs. Steelers won the Super Bowl over the Cardinals. Yeah, with Santonio Holmes in the back right of the end zone. Toe drag. Quick recap of this week's episode of Entourage. Medellin, Medellin didn't wow anybody at Cannes, but it's a shoe-in for Richard Roper and Michael Phillips' top 10 list of the year's worst. But Vince has found the perfect solution to his troubles in Mexico, a Mexican getaway that he and Turtle are enjoying with half a dozen extremely attractive women. Eric and Ari, on the other hand, are eager to get their star back to the States for a sit-down at the Ivy with producer Carl Ertz, who is interested in Vince for Danger Beach. Meanwhile, Drama, who's still tied via webcam to his French girlfriend Jacqueline, nearly comes to blows over a Five Towns poster shoot when the photographer wants to shoot his bad side, but he rallies when E insists that they all go down to the remote paradise where Vince is hiding to bring him back. However, they all realize a little too late that Ertz is just using Vince to lock up Emile Hirsch at a cut rate for the role. <sighs> a lot of shit happens in this episode, Billy. What was your uh, favorite moment from this week's episode? Uh, there was a lot of good ones. I, the thing that I don't understand, and I, and I voiced my opinion on this last time rather aggressively, but like, where in the hell... Is this Mexican resort where they're running a $78 a night daily rate? Like, <laughs> I don't understand how they find these places. Like, not only is Vince a huge movie star and stuff, but he's a bargain hunter. Like, how, where is this place? I live in California. I would go to this place in about 10 fucking seconds with the way they, I mean, that would be free advertising what they did with it. It's unbelievable. I know, yeah, why isn't it branded, you know? Like, this is the Sheridan <laughs> or something like that. All he says is like, what are you talking about? I'm living in paradise for 79 bucks a day. And I'm like, Vince, fuck you. <laughs> like, you already have it all, bro. You should be going to a place where it's hard to get girls. Don't go to a place where there's you and Turtle and 25 other absolute tens, top of the mountaintop tens. And in Mexico, on on the white sandy beaches, and I don't know, that that, that was... I don't know if that was my favorite part of the episode, but I've just I've been thinking about that for days. Yeah, I I mean I agree that that's my favorite part of the episode. The two sequences where we like cut to them in Mexico are ridiculous. It's Ian drama in the apartment, and Edo's. I just hope Vince is all right. And we literally cut to like the Duffy song "Mercy" playing, and Vince having aggressive reverse cowgirl sex oh. <laughs> like immediately. Which is obviously played for laughs, but also the the under uh, like the the thing that people miss is he's he's reverse cowgirling with this girl, having the time of his life. It seems like, and at the as that scene ends and the camera starts you know pulling out a little bit, this other beautiful pair of legs starts walking in, but the girl walks in with no rush, no no she's not like prancing in. Nope. There there's no sort of energy behind it. It's like the most casual, like, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll join this threesome. Why the fuck not? Or, yeah, like, I'm done with dinner. Time to crawl into bed and do this. It, it, it's unbelievable how nonchalantly this woman crawls into the sack. I just hope Vince is okay, though. Nah, poor booby bro. call this out this isn't even really like me nitpicking does this whole idea of this beachside paradise is ridiculous but when return of the mac is playing you see vincent turtle 
there's now like 20 half-naked women. For some reason, it like multiplies during the day. They're playing volleyball, drinking Pacifico. But then all of a sudden, Billy, did you see the girl walking out of the ocean carrying oh. two fish <laughs> on a string? Which implies that she like went out and caught them? Dude, I, I made a note of that. That is a... That woman is wa- walking out of the ocean carrying two... 15 pound fret, uh, uh, salt water, it lo- they look like marlin of some sort, in her two piece bikini, but she doesn't have a spear gun or anything. She hooked them barehanded. She wasn't on a raft. Yeah, she didn't have a net. <laughs> she just, what happened? And I bring you back to this is $79 a night for this kind of treatment. Like, either the guy who owns the resort is one of the worst businessmen in the world, and he's just running a horrible business, just running into the ground. Or they just have family money, but I gotta get to the bottom of this. I cannot figure this out. I mean, is it supposed to be a resort, or is it supposed to be like they found a hideaway and they're paying some guy? Because it's supposed to be that, like, you can't find him, and, you know, R and E have to get on, like, a puddle jumper to get down to see him. Like, I don't know, like, it's all the whole construct is like Vince has tried to get away, but this feels like it's just right outside of Cabo, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it doesn't feel I like mean, like for- they're in this remote area. Even if it's just a shack on the beach, like someone owns the shack, they're paying someone. True. And by the way, if that guy owns the shack and Vincent's there, and there's twenty five beautiful women, you feel like that guy is going to be mixing it up. <laughs> yeah, just I'm um, just checking, making sure you guys need some towels, yeah. anything. You guys good? You guys still got hot water, right? Okay, great. Just coming down to check. Everything's working okay. Hey, how's everyone doing? This is crazy. <laughs> Fun fact, none of this sequence was shot in Mexico. Where'd they shoot it? Oahu. So, Jared Ferrara, Adrian Grenier, and a plane full of 20 models and the cast and crew of Entourage spent probably, what, five days on, the, on one of the big islands? That's pretty good. Do you think Vince read read the or or um, Grenier, the actor, read the pilot script and was like, "Oh, this is going to be an awesome two weeks." Yeah, you know, I bet he does. He likes to travel the world. Like he got the script in a Manila folder. It was like, "Yo, we're going to do the pilot in two weeks. Here it is. We just finalized it, so we're going to be in Hawaii." He's like, "Check." And then uh, if you get it, we're going to send you over some of the headshots, some of the girls we're going to be casting. He goes, check, 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 check. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and look at, look at your story arc. Look at the, some of the scenes you're in. First scene, reverse cowgirl. Kakum, ba-bing, 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 ba-bing. Let's go, baby. Not a bad day in the life. Not a bad day in the office. What was your favorite bros being bros moment, Billy? And this is just like a moment of male friendship. There's a ton this episode. There's, I mean, there's so many. My favorite one is right in the beginning when Johnny's like, all right, I got to go to bed. I'm, uh, I got to have my five pounds posted tomorrow. And then he pauses and he goes, unless you want to pound some whiskey and talk. I love that. I'm going to get some sleep. I need my beauty rest. I'm shooting the five pounds poster tomorrow. Unless you want to pound some whiskey and talk. So do I, man. Because... That's what guys do without saying it, and he, him saying it is, like, pretty honest. It's, it's incredible. And also, it's like, when, it reminded me, when I was in college, I, uh, there was four of us. We were really close group of friends, and we used to have this thing called whiskey practice. And it was, and anytime someone sent a text to our, you know, our house group, the, the four of us all lived together, and said, tonight's whiskey practice, you dropped everything you did, and you went and killed a whole bottle of Jack, just the four of you, locked in a room. Couldn't unlock the door until it was all, you know, until it was bottoms up. And you just got wasted and talked it out. Talked about your week. Talked about your crushes. Talked about how, how things were going back on the home front. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, we talk every week about bros being bros, and that is some ultimate bros being bros shit right there. That's, you lived it in real life. Whiskey practice, baby. You, you, you were so pumped when that text came in. Like, hey, I got nothing to do tonight. Whiskey practice. And everyone goes, fucking Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I had that. That's that's the highlight. Also, E's pump-up speech to Vince. You know, he does one of these like every six or seven episodes of the show, but he basically is like, I know how good you are, Vince. You've got big things ahead of you. I just can't let you go out like this. He's like, I know you don't want to do it for yourself. I know you don't want to leave this fucking paradise, but do it for me so I don't fucking kill myself over this movie. And, uh, you know, 
Vince is his best friend. He does it. He flies back, shaves off his beard, drop of a hat. I, I love that. I love when he goes, just, you know, just do it so I don't have to kill myself. I'm like, there you go. He put it all on the line. <laughs> put it all on the fucking yeah. line right there. Don't even give him an option. Because what's he going to say? Yeah. No? And he goes, all right, I'm going to go kill myself then. I'm going to have Ari fly the plane up really high and you'll just see a pale speck like fall out of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just going to go kill myself then. That'd be great. You really want to go out on the bottom, Vince? Bottom? Yeah. Medellin sucked and the whole world knows it. You disappear now, that's all people are ever going to remember you for. When did I ever care about what people think? All right, look, maybe you can go out like this, but I can't. I'm the one that found Medellin. I got to spend the rest of my life thinking I ruined my best friend's career because I couldn't make it good. I know how good you are, Vince, and I know you got big things ahead of you. You've done everything for me, buddy, but you got to do one more thing. You got to help me let you get back to where you were supposed to be. Then you can retire on any beach you want, and you won't have to worry about me killing myself. That's a pep talk? <sighs> All righty. I'll go. For you. Thank you. Hey, Ori, get the plane ready. We're going home. Wait, wait, wait. I need an hour. Carol, I'm leaving tonight, baby. You need to shave. What was your least favorite moment this week, Billy? My least favorite moment. The relationship between E and his client, Charlie. It is so fake. Yeah. Like, the, an actor who doesn't have a car, meaning he hasn't worked enough in the town to afford <laughs> a car, has the same manager as Vinny Chase, and the manager's driving him to his, to his auditions and waiting for him. I mean, I'm no, seasoned, I'm no seasoned vet, but I've been in the town long enough to know that that fucking doesn't happen. Know, yeah, yeah Ari, I'll call, I'll call. Good luck, Charlie. Hey, uh, what luck? You gotta take me. I don't have a car. You've been in LA six months and you don't have a car? Hey, man, I can't afford a car, right? Look, give me a job, then I can get a car. Let's go. Anything Charlie related this season is is tough. Probably gonna be my least favorite moments overall. I appreciate the effort of Doug and the showrunners trying to give E something to do, an up and coming talent, and Bow Wow has charisma. But dude, I don't believe for a second that he's a comedian. Why didn't they just cast an actual comedian in the role? Uh, honestly, there's probably a lot of politics in that. That's true. Like, there, there has to be. You're 100% right. Why wouldn't they just use an actual comedian? Guy's got charisma, but like he doesn't strike me as funny. I mean, that's like one of the most important things for the role of a comedian is like just that natural ability, and I don't think the guy's got it. So that's probably like my overall least favorite moment. And then the drama, like bad side thing. I don't know. It's to the character, but it doesn't really do it for me. Like you're in the industry. Like, have you ever seen something that ridiculous? Oh, drama not wanting to show his bad side? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I haven't. But I'm, I, I, you know, I'm not on a show like Five Towns. Okay, everyone so. give me a right side pose. Hey, uh, Johnny, you want to turn to the right? Uh, no, not really. Oh, God, here we go. Why not? Because actually I don't go right. What do you mean you don't go right? I mean I don't go right. It's my bad side. Everyone knows that. I didn't know that. Have you ever seen the show, pal? Uh, no, but I'm in Europe a lot. Well, we've done 54 episodes, and I've never gotten right. Even if we do 500 more, I never will. Come on, Johnny, let's just get this done. Let him shoot you without a padded bra, Linda, and then I'll let him shoot my right side. I really don't see the issue. No? You don't see this right here? Maybe we should call the producers. <laughs> Maybe we should. Okay, people, take a break. Go ahead, call the producers. What's this guy threatening me? They know. Eddie Burns knows. Everyone knows. Shooting me from the right makes me look freakish. It just seems like it was played up a little too, like, diva-ish for me. And I get it. That's what he does. He gets out. He gets in front of his own way or whatever, but it's not... Uh, it doesn't land for me. A lot of the times that does, but for some reason, this one doesn't. Dude, Vince is having sex with six women in a hut on a Mexican beach in the middle of nowhere for $79 a month. <laughs> He can't and get over biggest, And your biggest problem is that drama doesn't want his bad side to be seen? I mean, that, the Vince thing, is insane! <laughs> it's really a good point. I didn't even think about it. I should have thought about it. I was going to say, the, uh, another least favorite moment of mine is, is like, it, I, and, I, and I complain about this as, as whenever I have the opportunity to, 
But Turtle with another absolute rocket ship 10 in Mexico. Like, I understand that Vince is not going to be able to sleep with every single one of these women. But, like, yeah. I don't think these women would agree. Nothing against Turtle. It's just these women are unbelievably attractive. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't any of them have boyfriends back home? Or, like, they're all just... Waiting in line for Vince, and they see Turtle. No, I guess he'll do. Like, that, does that, attract. That's him. that's my thing. Like, aren't some of these women off the market? Like, <laughs> aren't there some guys, like some decent guys in Mexico, that would you know be able to land some of these these tens? Or do they just flock around in in some single paradise? I, I, it's it's unbelievable, and if and if you make the argument, well, it's Vince, and and you know, a girl doesn't think about her boyfriend when she's with Vince. Okay, that's fine, but she sure shit thinks about him when she's with Turtle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Jerry's getting raked over the coals. <laughs> I got nothing against Jerry. By the way, Jerry's lost. He, he looks very different from now than he did back then. Looks great. Yeah. He also Turtle ends up making. Two hundred fifty fucking million dollars. Very so, true. Very true. He ends up in the highest point of all of the guys in the crew. He does. He has so much money. He doesn't even let people know how much money he has. The, sorry. The the last least favorite moment, which I realized I forgot that I wanted to talk about, was the, the way Vince treats his career. It drives yeah. me nuts. It's so nonchalant. It's like, yeah, what you know, what if, you know, what if I don't come back? What if I don't make another movie? What if this is the end? What are you gonna do? And I'm like, dude. As an actor in the industry who's like scraping and clawing and like running to every audition I possibly can and then not getting 90% of them and crying alone in the shower when I don't get them, to see him have the opportunity to play Paul Escobar, fuck it up, and then go, well, what are you going to do? You know, you do what you got to do, I do what I got to do, you do what you got to do, what are you going to do? I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> he says, look at you guys, running the rat race, wearing uncomfortable yeah. shoes. What are you yeah, talking uh, about, Vince? Oh, you guys run a rat race. What the fuck, man? We gotta make a living out here. What the hell? We're doing our best making a living off of you, and if you would just get up off your ass for to go to a lunch meeting, we could all be in better shape. Yeah, why don't you do us this huge favor and fly an hour up north to Los Angeles, where it is still 80 and sunny and there's beautiful women everywhere. You're not gonna lose exactly everything that this place has to offer, that place has to offer. And take one fucking lunch. Just eat a lunch with a guy for us. What do you think, Vince? I don't know. I don't feel like running back right now for a non-challenging career move. We're having a good time here. Even Turtle's getting laid. Yeah, a lot. It's vacation, pussy. Anyone can get that. You see these girls back in the States, they won't even look your way. I think you're arguing against our point there, drama. Look, Vince, we are desperate, all right? We haven't had an offer in six months. They're starting to sound alike. It's starting to look alike, too. Hey, Benny, listen. What happens if another offer doesn't come in, all right? It may not. What then? What if one doesn't? You think I'm going to suffer? I mean, come on. Look at this place. I live like a king for $79 a day. I got great food, fantastic women, and I wake up every morning with a big fat smile on my face. Hey, look at you guys. <laughs> Fighting the rat race, wearing uncomfortable shoes, angry all the time. Life is not all about making money in movies. At least mine isn't. Vince. Ari, it's siesta time. It's time to chill. We'll talk about it over dinner. We're not staying for dinner. I know. No, you guys should stay. The food's real good. But no, if you do stay, you guys are sharing the hammock. What did you think? We're going off book a little bit. What did you think of the whole, like, faked out, you know, use the one actor against each other? Did that seem like it, it ha that felt to me like it happens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I thought, uh, I actually really liked that. I thought it was cool. That was probably one of the more authentic Hollywood moments of this first episode of the season. Yeah, those moments are uh, what I always found so interesting about the show. You know what I mean? That was kind of the sexy part about the show that wasn't, you know, ass or tits or a nice smile that's in your face. It was like the cool, like, oh, that is how the industry works. That's really interesting. What was your favorite line or quote from this week's episode, Billy? Uh, obviously, Johnny Drama was saying, unless you want to pound some whiskey and talk, I liked it. Oh, yeah. I also liked... Ari assist Ari's uh, one of his assistants or one of the people that work at uh, his, Ari's the the gold standard agency yeah. whatever it is when he's like I actually liked many in Ari and he's like well then you're a fucking idiot <laughs> <laughs> I love that 
Hey, all right. Fuck Richard Roper. Uh-huh. Michael Phillips is a dick. Yep. I like Gene Siskel. Whatever. Give me something good, Lloyd. First drafts of my letter to one Richard E. Roper reviewing him personally. His clothes, his hair, his nasally Midwestern twang. Screw Chicago and Austin everyone, Adams. please, listen up. No one mentioned Richard Roper again. Not today, not ever. By doing so, you are simply announcing that on Sunday nights, instead of doing your job reading scripts, you're watching TV. The next person to mention Richard Roper will be fired. And Lloyd, you will also be fired if you don't answer the fucking phone! All right, go to office. I liked Medellin, Well, Ari. then you're a fucking idiot. Ari's, like, comes out of the dates hot this season. Like, he's stalking around the office. He's throwing scripts at people. He's booking chartered planes down to Mexico. Like, he, he's, he's hustling. I mean, as usual, but... I love it. I love the energy from our I just, every episode. I love, I love when he turns on a pin. I think I think Jeremy Piven is so good at that. When he's just like, when it's just like, no one speak about this writer's name. No one mention his fucking name. No one bring it up. He's a piece of shit. And he's like, I actually like Minnie. And he's like, well, then you're a fucking idiot. Okay? <laughs> I just love it. Adam Davies calls. Ari picks up the phone. He goes, if you need a kidney, Adam, I'm not willing to donate. But I am willing to watch you slowly die if you're looking for that kind of thing, which is just... A-plus writing. One of my favorites of the episode. I don't know if they wrote that or if he, he would run off script a lot with those things. Yeah, I think I think he specifically, because he's such like a an acclaimed actor, but I think a lot of the other guys have said that like they have to stick to the script. You know, That's a lot of Doug and uh, the writing staff, which is... Oh, I mean, that that is a great joke. I am willing to watch him slowly die. Adam Davies calling. For me? If you need a kidney, Adam, I'm not willing to donate, but I am willing to watch you slowly die if you're looking for that kind of thing. You lost your touch, Ari. Oh, yeah? How's that? Ertz doesn't want Vince. You were set up. He was just trying to force me to close Emil Hirsch. He did two million less than I wanted. Explain to your client that you dragged him back here for nothing. I'm gonna skull fuck you, Davies! You just did, Ari. What did he want? Fuck you, Yoko. Get E on the phone. What do you think of like this whole Danger Beach thing? Like this like working title? I thought it was a nice little you know, inside joke as well. Where like, you know, no one's gonna go see a movie called Danger Beach, but I guarantee you there was some stupid scripts floating around Hollywood with some stupid fucking names on them. Dude, that should change. The, the working title thing is one thousand percent real. I'm I'm working on a couple projects right now, and everything's a working title. <laughs> That's so funny. I, 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 and if I sat there and actually thought about what I wanted the title to be, it would it would take me days. I wouldn't get anything done. Naming things is like a real talent, and I'm sure there's a small group of writers that have named every fucking movie that you've ever seen. Well, it has to be clean, it has to be, it has to get across kind of what you're trying to say, but still be sexy and enticing, you know, it has to, someone has to read it and be able to be like, oh, I, I understand what that is about, but I don't know what's going to happen. And it can't be, sound stupid. It's also like, like the thinking of the, like the, uh, about how to name a song, the title to a song. Like, I'm a big Rolling Stones fan. I'm a huge Stones mm -hmm. fan. And uh, they have a uh, song called Honky Tonk Woman. And they wanted to call it when they first wrote it. Uh, it was supposed to be called Sweet uh, Sweet Black American Pussy is what they wanted to call that song. They talk about this in an interview. Awesome. Uh, and uh, and their uh, management was like, yeah, that can't happen. So... They they had you know people within the management company and their agents and they sat down and they just threw around like a, you know hundreds of different names until they came across Honky Tonk Woman. I, I love that kind of stuff and they do the same thing with movies. You know they they'll sit in a room and you know for days try to think about what the fuck is the title of this going to be. A lot of people know this. I'm not sure if you do, Billy, but I, I write TV commercials for a living. So when the first thing before you even start the commercial. If it's a brand or if it's a whatever, it's a, a new company, you got to think of the tagline. What's the tag it's going to land on, you know? But up and up and up but up and up and up. And that, that process takes upwards of a month sometimes. So you're just writing three-word sentences, five-word sentences. They all are usually imperative, like just do it. It's obviously a famous one. But every word has to mean multiple things. It's exhausting, and there's, there's, there's kind of a weird art form to it, which, you know, not on the level of, like, naming Hollywood movies, but, like, there's just something very difficult about it, which I find enjoyable, weirdly. <laughs> I don't know. If you, if you think about Just Do It, that's bigger than any Hollywood movie ever. That's not a great example. <laughs> it just makes me think that some guy had been sitting there for three days. He's like, just do it! 
Just take this. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good, Mike. Did you write that down? I was like, hey, Mike, that is that? Are you pitching that or are you yelling at someone? <laughs> Can I take that, Mike? That's mine. What did you think I was doing? Music. Uh, this week's episode is chock full of just incredible, like, A-plus hits. I've got, like, four or five here that I want to run through. Most people know we have a playlist of all of our favorite songs called Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah Music. It's on Spotify. It's in the show notes of today's episode. The Duffy song, Mercy, when you open on, like, that, it's probably a helicopter shot, not a drone shot, uh, going across the water. It was in a Heineken commercial. It just it makes you feel fucking good. Yeah. Any other songs jump out at you, Billy? I always, I always like to hear the songs that I haven't heard before, the ones that didn't, uh, that I don't recognize. So mm-hmm. the closing credit song, I love. I don't know the name of it. I, I just thought it was such a cool song. It's called Seven and Seven Is by Love. Great song. The song right before that was as they're beating the shit out of the, uh, was that the Porsche? Uh, it's uh, UFO by ESG. Kill the lights. Kill them. What are we gonna do? I'm gonna golf. You're gonna caddy. Bye, Byron. Whoa, 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 whoa! The Maserati, really? It is nice. What are you, the Godfather? Sending a message. Saying what? Aquaman will be back. And everyone knows, everyone kind of likes to call this out on you know, Instagram comments, Twitter. Uh, this is where the Return of the Mac is played by Mark Morrison. It's when oh. when the plane flies in and R.E.E. and drama kind of like land in Mexico. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say this, Billy, but when this episode came out, I was probably 19 and... I had never heard Return of the Mac before, so this is my first kind of encounter with it, was uh, this episode of Entourage. I could use another shot if you guys need to do this. visual image to have in your head with that song for the rest of eternity. Just 12 half-naked women. How did you know you never heard Return of the Mac until you were 19 years old? It was just one of those things that I missed, you know? Everyone has that. Like, oh, I've never seen this movie or I've never heard this album or... I'm, I'm sure I'd heard it, but, like, it was... That was when I remember it first, if that made sense. Yeah. That's when you're like, wait a second, this song's actually dope! <laughs> Um, no real celebrity, I mean, okay, there are two celebrity cameos, Richard Roper and Bow Wow. Who do you want to talk about? (laughs) Oh, no, and Ben Silverman. Ben Silverman, they name drop Ben Silverman, head of the studio, and then he actually shows up. I know Ben. Uh, You do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know uh, his business partner very, very well, Howard Owens, and I've met Ben a bunch of times. Uh, And he's a great, great dude, an awesome guy, and it was great seeing him in the show. Shit. Who is it? It's Tommy, drama. They got Ben Silverman coming down from his office. You better get your ass out here now. Jesus, the network chairman's coming down right now. Just do what he says, Johnny. I can't do that, baby. I struggled for 20 years to get to where I am. I'm not going to let them force me to looking stupid again. I won't do it. No way. Drama. Hey, Tommy. Thanks, but you tell Silverman I'm not doing it. Not for him, not for no one. Oh, Johnny, you have me so worried. Hold on one second, baby. One second. 
Yeah. Drum, I need to know exactly where you sent Vince to in Mexico. No go, he ate a hideaway. Vince said nobody gets to go unless he says so. Drama, he's coming. E, I can't talk right now. Drama, it's an emergency. An emergency? Is baby bro in trouble? Yeah, kind of. I'm on my way. Baby, I gotta fly. Vince is in trouble. I'll call you back in two minutes, okay? Tweet. Chirp. Johnny Chase. Mr. Chairman, shoot me any way you want. I'm gonna get to Mexico. Fucking waste of time. That's so crazy. I genuinely thought, and I should have done better research, and I'm gonna probably hear about it, that, like, that was just an actor playing a head of a studio character, and they really got the actual head of the, what network? Or what studio, sorry. Uh, he, I don't know if he was head of the studio. He was a big, he was an executive producer and a big deal. He was the reason The Office came to America. Ben gotcha. Wow. So he was working over with NBC and stuff, but now he works with Howard Owens over at Propagate, and they run that, um, they run that production house together, which is sweet. And I think Five Towns is supposed to be an NBC show, so this had to have been Ben. That's some really good inside baseball shit that I'm glad you're here for. I would have just glossed right over that stuff. I was hyped. I saw it. I go, let's go, Benny! <laughs> Richard Roper, from My Neck to the Woods, Shadow Sun Times, born and raised, went to Illinois State, kind of been known as his first string film critic for the longest time, worked alongside Roger Ebert on his television show at the movies for 2000 to 2008, serving as the late Gene Sistel's successor. Always good to see him. I think, you know, he probably got a lot of fun out of, like, shitting all over a fictitious movie. This film is Medellin, the ultra-violent story of Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar, starring Vincent Chase in a fat suit and bad makeup that makes him look like the love child of Jiminy Glick and a case of Twinkies. Now, at last year's Cannes Film Festival, Medellin, from Wonderkin director Billy Walsh, was all the buzz until people actually saw it at the now-legendary Hindenburg of a screening, which I myself attended. Now, I usually try to keep my opinions to myself until we actually review a film on this show, but this time I got on my feet and I booed with the rest of the angry mob. I would have thrown fruit if I'd had some. Richard, this is the silliest thing to come out of South America since the musical Evita. It's overacted, it's underdirected, it's paced like a snail, and uh, did I mention it's long, too? You did. It For is. sure, the year is young, but this is a good bet for my top ten of the year's worst. Oh, and by the way, Vince, Al Pacino called. He wants his Scarface accent back. You know, it's a real disappointment for me because I had Vinny Chase on my list of stars to watch in 2005. I think I'm going to have him on my list of stars to watch fade in 2008. Suck it, dickbag. At a budget I cannot imagine is a straight-to-DVD release, if you can believe it. It can be found on... I'd say I'm a fan. I don't know. How, what do you think of film credits just as, as someone who gets critiqued? Well, what is your just general opinion of them? I hate them. <laughs> I, I figured. I, the actor's the actor's job is never. There's never a part or a stage in the acting profession where you're not getting critiqued. That's true. You get critiqued by your acting teacher when you're working on the you know the the scene for the audition. Then you go in the audition and you get critiqued by the casting director, who then sends you to the director and then he critiques you and then he sends you the producers and they critique you and the executive producers critique you and then the studio heads critique you and then you finally get the fucking job and you sit there and then the director comes back and he critiques you again and he says you're not doing this right you need to do it more like this i want it like this critique critique then it gets into the editing stage they edit however many takes you know you've done six or ten takes of one scene and they'll critique it as that you know and change it as they go through it to tell the story that they want to tell. And then when all of that is said and done, after the audience goes and sees it and they critique you from the couches at home, like, that guy fucking sucks. <laughs> this piece of shit goes on TV and critiques you again. It's just... Fuck it. I'm sorry to bring it up, man. It just sounds like if you are going into the arts or entertainment, you have to have a thick fucking skin because that is a lot of criticism. It makes... They want you to have a thick skin... But they also want you to be as vulnerable as yep. you possibly can. Or else, if you, if you have too thick of a skin, then you suck. And then you really get critiqued. Threading, like, the thinnest of lines, man. And it's, it's just so impressive. I could never do it, to be honest with you. Neither could I. I still can't do it. <laughs> um, I'll touch on Bow Wow a little bit. Christian name is Shad Gregory Moss. He's from Columbus, Ohio. Started rapping at the age of three. 
He was six years old. He was performing at a concert in Los Angeles and was noticed by rapper Snoop Dogg, who gave him the stage name Little Bow Wow. He then appeared on the Doggy Style album on the track G's and Hustlers. He also appeared in the Gin and Juice music video. All things I had no idea about this dude. I just figured he was like some fucking Disney rap star that like got turned into a punchline. Wait, Bow Wow was a six-year-old when he got discovered by Snoop D-O-double-G? Yep. At a Hollywood Bowl performance? Something like that. Just at a concert in Los Angeles. Okay, this is all from his Wikipedia, so keep that in mind. Like, you know, there might be some gray lines, but... He got discovered as a six... First off, what the fuck do you say? Like, what did Snoop say to his parents? I'm sure it sounded like he wanted to molest him. That's true. He's like, hey, hey what's I want a six-year-old on my album. Yeah, I th- let me listen. I know it's gonna sound crazy, but I think your six-year-old's got a lot of talent. I think he can <laughs> rap, and with the right direction from me, I'll get him in the studio with a little one-on-one work, and we'll make an album together. They're like, hey, Snoop, keep your hands off my son and go home. I mean, how do you pitch that? And also, how do you how do the parents agree to that? I mean, there, I mean, as you know, there are a lot of parents out there who see dollar signs and they put their kid in harm's way. I'm, we're not insinuating that this happened. We're just I'm not insinuating that this happened. Of course not. <laughs> Snoop Dogg is one of the when he's one of the OGs. He would never do that. But again, you know, I did see the HBO documentary about you know Neverland and, and the Neverland Ranch, and that has changed everything. Every way I look at something, I completely agree with you. I don't think that happened. Jermaine Dupri also like was involved in this and. You know, helped him create a, an album which went triple fucking platinum. The dude, you know, short-lived acting career, starred in the movie Like Mike, still doing some work out there, you know? Like, featuring on songs, doing some bit parts in television and TV. I mean, I don't hate it. At the same time, this just doesn't work as this fucking character. <laughs> like, it's just not a great character. He, I forgot, bro, he was like Mike. That kid yeah. changed lives when he was, like, <laughs> 10 years old. Yeah. Everybody after that movie came out was put on a pair of sneakers and was like, I think I can do it. That movie was so full of like early 2000s NBA stars. You're like, Chris Webber. <laughs> you know, just like guys that. Bro, he crosses up J Kid and he takes Iverson, the livest one, to the bucket. It You've is seen the movie? I've never seen Like Mike. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. I've seen Like Mike a thousand times. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Hooper. You're a Hooper? Yeah, but Hooper, I love the game. So anytime there's a basketball movie, I'll watch it. I watched Air Bud playing basketball like 15 times for no fucking reason. So my own history with pop culture, I missed out on Return of the Mac. I missed out on Like Mike. You know, I don't feel too bad about the Like Mike one, to be honest with you. you, you that's your biggest mistake. <laughs> um, how this episode be different today, 2020? Uh, well, it's it's more like it just wouldn't exist in 2020 because no one can fall off the face of the earth unless you're like Cat Stevens. True. I mean, like, with social media, whether Vince wanted to disappear or not, there was 30 women that were unaccounted for in some random Mexican island. Like, yeah. let's be honest, somebody's got a phone. Somebody's Snapchatting or Instagramming or, you know, putting it on Facebook or Twitter that, like, I'm partying with Vinny Chase. Someone has to. Unless yeah. you're telling me that not only is it $79 a day, and not only are these women absolutely beautiful, and they don't have boyfriends, and they don't have children or families or any extracurricular activity that they have to attend to, but they also can keep a secret, this is, I mean, that, that math just doesn't make sense. Turtles just got them all signing NDAs every day. It's just a daily NDA, like they all line up. They're not allowed to say a word. He collects all their phones. They're basically prisoners. <laughs> I mean, like, they can't leave. I mean, what this is the, the ironic part is the Pablo Escobar movie failed, but then he became Pablo Escobar. He took a bunch of Mexican hostages and fucking locked them away. Pretty fucking good. <laughs> and it's unbelievable. Yeah, I have a feeling in 2020, one or more of those girls might have a decent Instagram following, and she might want to show off what she's doing. One of those girls, at least one, has a couple hundred thousand followers on Instagram. And even if they're not focusing on showing off partying with Vince, maybe they're just posing as the waves crash in the shallow water on the beach going like, 
you know, Gur Monday or View from the Office or like, thank you so much to this insert bikini company for sending me these swim shorts. But someone would see Turtle in the background. That's Vinny Chase's guy. Someone would see Vinny. They go, oh, that's that's Vinny's guy. Everyone knows that guy. Yeah, that's it. That's how that's how it happened. The other thing, the other way this would be different. Even then, I don't understand. Why does anybody give a fuck what Richard Roper has to say about a movie on his television show on Sunday night? Did that ever carry a lot of weight? I get that Ebert in the 90s, maybe giving something two stars might have been a blow, but who gives a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> the idea that America was like, I was going to see it, but did, it, did anyone see Roper last Sunday? And was like, yeah, we saw him, buddy. No one's going to see the movie. Are you kidding? Asked for a refund on my tidbits. Like, that, was, that was what moved the needle for me. It was Richard Roper. Um, I I live and die with what Roper says, so absolutely I'm not going to see Medellin. Come on. I was like, (laughs) yeah, you're right. Quick piece of trivia. Um, Turtles saying, boss, the plane, the plane is a reference to the U.S. TV series Fantasy Island, which ran from 1977 to 1984. Each episode of the show began with a diminutive tattoo, spotting a seaplane approaching an island and running up to the top of a tower and yelling, the plane, the plane, and ringing a bell. So it was a nice, like, you know, old-school Hollywood TV homage that Turtle and Vinny were doing. I, dare, you know, guarantee when I saw this when I was 19, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? I have no idea what they're talking about. Is a plane, is a plane. Yeah, everyone was like, ha, 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 that girl is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> Faces in the crowd, I'm giving it to Tim Coates, who plays uh, Carl Ertz. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was saying my buddy Ben Silverman, I was giving it to Big Benny. That, that I mean, that's fair for you. You recognize him. Before I even did. I'm supposed to be in charge of this fucking thing. But <laughs> I recognize Tim Coates because uh, he's a Canadian-American actor. He, uh, you know, classically trained Broadway, Stanley Kowalski and Streetcar Named Desire. But for me, he's uh, Tig from uh, Sons of Anarchy on FX. Were you a Sons yeah. of Anarchy guy, Billy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Are you kidding me? I love Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam's a fucking badass. Yeah, that guy always plays a really fucked up dude, too. He's got that face, those crazy eyes and that crooked he, he nose. Just, and, he's got he's got like the wrinkles in his skin that look like the you know the uh, the the walls of a of a in a tree branch. You know the circles that you can tell the life of a tree. Like those are like the wrinkles in his face. Like they just there's just like stories, and there's yeah. a lot of loneliness and and lost love in his eyes too. It's just it's he's he's a dark guy. So Mexico, huh? Oh, it was phenomenal. I'm more of a Caribbean guy myself. A lot of history. <laughs> so, Danger Beach. Yeah, I have to say, I read it on the plane, and it is really, really good. You sound surprised. Well, I, the title threw me at first, oh. but it's a unique story, and this character is better than I've seen in a long time. Fantastic, and you know we're working on the title now. What do you think about High Tide? High Tide? I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Hey, Carl. It's got a... Adam, nice to see you. Nice to see you. You know Vinny Chase. I do. I used to represent Johnny. Oh, yeah, that's right. Crazy running in you here. Indeed. Always good to see you, Adam. Guess I'll talk to you soon. I guess so. He seems angry. He's an agent. They're all pricks. Okay, so who was your sits man for this episode, Billy? Uh, I kind of want to give it to Adam Davies. I was giving it to uh, Danger Beach. Oh, I love that. I'm giving it to Carl Ertz. Well, you could give it to the movie, actually. Yeah. Uh, but I was giving it to Carl Ertz. I thought he had an unreal. I thought he had a great episode. He got Emil Hirsch for two million under his asking price. I mean, that's a win. That's a that's a producer doing his job well. This guy made. And by the way, he was only described in a few. He made the movies for cheap, and they make a ton. And then he gets and then he gets Emil Hirsch for two million under asking price, and he gets a free title of this film. <laughs> High Tide. I mean, this guy just he that, that, that guy hit a full cycle there. He was having some fun. Uh, how much did you laugh when E says, you just have to do what Shia LaBeouf did? And we, we, did a, we did a nice Shia reference, you know, six months after we talked about him. <laughs> I loved it. I also thought, like, if Shia heard you say that about his yeah. performance in Disturbia, he would slit your throat. Yeah, that dude. He's an, a- he's an angry man. If anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the season three finale, Adios Amido. Billy has a great story about a little run-in that he had with Shia LaBeouf at a gas station. I also think we turned it into a video on the Instagram, so check that out, too. Yeah, we had a little chinwag. We had a little bit of a chinwag with each other. 
All right, last couple questions, Billy. Who besides Vince won this week's episode of Entourage? A turtle, just because of the girl <laughs> he got to sleep with in Mexico. There it is. Yeah, that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> I mean, when her face pops up and, and she's like, can't we use the bed one night? Which implies they've been doing this many nights. <laughs> and he goes, come on, baby, the hammock will be fine. It's just like, oh, my God. This guy is taking this chick to the hammock? Come on! I mean, he's always like out shoot out kicking his coverage, you know, and it's 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 great. He he should I should exclude him from this too. Like, who besides Vince and Turtle win this week's episode? Be- yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Turtle hits a home run every single episode. But the beautiful thing about Turtle is he knows it. He never takes yeah. it for granted. Embrace it. Yeah, he, he's hitting home runs. This poor this guy. I love when he chases with a chick. Like, I need an hour. <laughs> Maybe it all hurts more because we're in quarantine. Maybe that's, yeah, that's why probably I, it. I just I'm looking at Turtle with these girls going, "This son of a bitch." I think that was what made me the most sad about watching this episode. Was like, "Damn, I can't go to a beach for a long fucking time." <laughs> yeah, and and just you know, seeing these beautiful women in bikinis, you're just like, "Oh my god, I'm stuck at my house <laughs> <laughs> with the in-laws and my parents." So yeah, you're like, all the women I've seen are my sisters and my mom. Get me out of here! <laughs> um, I might give the winner of the episode to Ari as well, maybe special considerations, because he's like on one this episode, wheeling and dealing, throwing papers. I mentioned this earlier. Like He basically gets Vince back. Like you know, Mission accomplished. He just doesn't get him the role. He does get bamboozled, though, by the producer, so maybe that'll... Maybe that knocks him down a peg. He gets a little sure. smoked. I, again, you'd have to say Carl Ertz. I mean, he got a million for $2 million under asking price. I mean, that's great. A-list episode, B-list episode, or D-list episode, and you can do pluses and minuses. Uh, I thought it was a B. Okay. I liked it. Uh, it's got it's got all the things that... It's not the greatest soundtrack episode, but it's got all, all the assets that make it a good one. You know, it's got great women and a fun storyline and kind of an inside baseball, a few inside baseball moments, which are fun. Uh, and Ari, like you said, is running hot with some great one-liners. So yeah, it like kicks off the season in a nice way. So I thought it was B. Nice. I'm probably going A minus just because it does a good job of jumping forward in time and showing like, Oh, change is taking place, even though nothing really changes in entourage. You know, I love Vincent turtle on the beach. I wish we could have spent like an entire episode down in Mexico with them. You know, we're in no rush to see Vince come back and deal with the smoke jumpers kind of bullshit. So I would have liked maybe an episode or two, like, you know, what's what, you know, what happens when Vinny Chase goes into town in Mexico? You know what I mean? Like just something, something different. I would not have made it through a whole episode of turtle in the hammock. Yeah. Just, (laughs) I would have broken my television. I just would have ripped it right off the wall. I would have said, fuck you. (laughs) Well, how fired up you are. I love how much you love the show. And, dude, this was another incredible episode with you as a guest. Thank you for coming back to Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah. The fans have been asking for it, and uh, you've delivered as always. Hey, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. I do like the show. You know, it's one of the reasons I became a freaking actor. I altered my entire life because of this <laughs> fucking show. <laughs> Believe it or not, we hear that more often than not. Where can the uh, <laughs> listeners... Of oh yeah oh yeah find you and follow you didn't you change your like handle or something? Recently? I change my Instagram name like once a week because I find it hilarious. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think that like people that like using like that consider themselves Instagram personalities or something and they're you like and they're trying to build notoriety. I think the idea of changing your name every time so no one can find you is fantastic. That's good. Um, but right now it's uh, the talent underscore one so at the talent underscore one but in a couple weeks you know who knows what it might be who knows <laughs> i love it just thumbing your nose at the regulations of social media it's probably it's, it's honestly probably because i could never be an instagram personality or gain a following no matter how many bikinis or you know sexy photos of i took of myself it just would never work so uh you know it's a big middle finger to to society <laughs> this is a lot of fun dude thank you so much hope you're staying safe down there in florida let's try to connect maybe we can do this in person so i don't have to deal with all these audio cable bullshit issues in the future yeah man 100 percent. whenever whenever that is you know whenever all this quarantine stuff ends i'd love to do it awesome be well and thanks again no worries man for sure